Hello and welcome to episode 8 of this season's podcast. This extremely insightful podcast conversation is with the super positive, highly driven owner and co-founder of Proverb, the life fuel skincare brand, Luke Sheriff. Luke is an Oxford graduate with a degree in epidemiology. He went on to play professional rugby for the likes of Harlequins and Nottingham Rugby Club whilst gaining caps for England, Great Britain Sevens and Barbarian squads. All this before seamlessly moving into the health and skincare industry. He's now owner and co-founder of Proverb. Alongside his wife Kirsty, they both run two successful businesses, Proverb and Pink's Boutique. In this podcast, Luke and I discuss how and why Proverb was formed and how Luke uses his skills he develops as a top flight sportsman and applies them to the growth strategy of the Proverb brand. As a team sports pro, he believes in the importance of his brand consumers feeling like they're part of a team and being part of a brand that provides interaction, knowledge, positivity and above all a great product. We also talk about how the brand has had to adapt over the last few weeks during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and what Proverb has been able to do in order to help the community come together during this time, such as adding hand sanitizer to their SKU list and ensuring that their climate and sustainability matters message continues with the growing range of refillable products. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Mate, great to hear from you. Really well, actually. Um, we were just speaking before we came online. Um, we have the enviable position during lockdown of having some space at work to go and get away from everything. So I uh, feel very grateful for that. Um, I think a lot of people who are stuck literally in the same place must be understandably finding it very challenging. So, yeah, Kirsten, I'm very grateful that there's still things to be done. And the office is... 500 yards from home so we don't really see anyone on the way either so that's amazing so of course now just to sort of anyone who's listening at this to the podcast at any particular point in time we're now sort of week seven into lockdown of uh, covid19 and um i just thought i'd have a quick catch up with luke to um to understand where he's at with his business um luke before we get cracking onto that um and so there's a discussion about sort of you and your background and how you've got to where you are today with your brand and your product. Um, obviously, within where we are with uh, current lockdown, I just want to see sort of what your biggest challenges that you've faced um, so far in terms of um, what's been happening on, on the home front. That's a good question. As I just alluded to, certainly, I must be honest, there's no complaints mentally. We've, we've got um, a lot on at work and we've got space to come and do that. Um, and yeah, just I like everyone really feel for those that are having to work and look after their children, for instance, in the same space. Um, so we don't have that challenge, but we do have a capacity issue, really, which is, um, and we'll come to where the business has come to over the last two and a half years since it's been in existence, but we currently have a hand sanitizer product, which we had in the range already, and we're trying to do something really positive and impactful with that. So, you know, you know between Kirsty and I, Kirsty is the other half of everything, as I describe her. We are married, we run two businesses together. Um, yeah, the only real challenge we have is capacity. And so um, as things ease up, hopefully, then, you know, there'll still be a requirement for us to do do what, we, you know, what we're planning with our you know, positive impact, but hopefully with a few more people allowed to join join in and, and help. Um, and, and on the flip side of that, it's caused an 
made us think about you know outsourcing and how we can be more flexible in you know using other people whether that's influencers to get a message out there or um you know outsourcing you know certain elements of digital marketing etc so so yeah the the challenge is 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 capacity really because we are lucky in that there is stuff to do at work and it's stuff that we fits very closely with our passionate proverb to deliver products that are better for the consumer better for the planet and give give back in the same way but um, that will hopefully come out in the story what what i what i love luke what i love about the way that you um present yourself uh certainly within social media is your positivity but i would just want to take a step back into your background because uh, you've got a fantastic sort of quite enviable background should i say um now talk us through where you've come from in terms of um because you were obviously a, uh, an elite athlete a professional sports person professional rugby player um so talk me through a little bit so what i want to do is bring people up to where we are today but going back and where you've come from well that's that's, that's a, I have a pleasure to do that going back to your point of positiveness i think um and i do say this in a lot of my blogs i have to be honest about having had as, as you alluded to a, a pretty good run at it so I, I just i feel like it's a it's almost like a responsibility to be positive because i was very lucky i got a scholarship to a good school haleybury college in hartford when i was 13 so i got to go to a very well um sort of what's the word equipped school in every sense you know teaching opportunities off the field or off the uh, off the field i'm getting to my sports then go now but i'm out of the classroom um and then that led into being able to get into Oxford University at a time where professional rugby wasn't really a thing. So in 97, I think the first contracts were at Saracens, the likes of, sorry to bore those people that don't fascinate about rugby, but it's quite an interesting journey of the sport where they, you know, the likes of Tony Diplos, I think Richard Hill and Kieran Bracken, I think were the first professional rugby players, all England players that Saracens signed up. I think that was 96. So when I left school in 97, it wasn't really, a, it's something that I'd been thinking about. Got to go to Oxford University, got to get a three-year degree, then a master's in um, epidemiology and infectious diseases, which is somewhat relevant now. Um, uh, and then play rugby at a level during that that didn't preclude me from then as it was you know, in 2000 getting a contract with Harlequins. And um, and the reason, I, again, going back to being so grateful and, and sort of feeling it's much more to be positive is everything sort of lined up in that I didn't have to make a decision at 16 not to carry on my education. I got to go and play rugby at university where it was a very um, democratic system. You know, the, the coaching staff all paid independently by the university. The selection process was all above board and it was a, and, and it was put on on a stage at Twickenham where you know a, a number of us in our generation got the opportunity to go on and play professional rugby and then got to live in the era of professional rugby which was just all about experiment. I mean, they were all just trying to find their feet as teams, as a league, um, got to play with um, the World Cup winning and against all of the World Cup winning team, you know, so got to see that process relatively close up, not as close up as one would sort of dream of, but definitely got to see how you know, Clive Woodward took you know, that approach of management forward and see the, the game grow. And then go off and be lucky enough to play at Nottingham, which is when there was a crossover came. So 2007, after seven years at Quinns, the crossover came where I got to move up to Nottingham. They were fantastic to me. Got to play and work with Kirsty on her first business, which is Pink's Boutique Organic Skincare. Learn about business, transition in a way that didn't leave any sort of grief curve. So I don't know anyone that's listening follows sport. And Mark and I were talking about this before, but there is um, you know, an element of 
you know, leaving sport and losing your identity and losing the structure and losing all those things that is challenging. And, and, and some people, um, Leon Lloyd is one of them, they have these great platforms called Switch the Play where they're trying to help people understand this. It can be like losing a part of yourself and, and your identity. And I didn't have any of that because I'd already started working in Nottingham and was supporting that, still playing in the championship against the Exeters and the Northampton. Where did that foresight come from, Luke? Because it sounds like you almost anticipated what was what was going to happen. One quite one debate that runs amongst my friends is because you know you, you sort of look back at this point and and so when you retire is to you know could you have done more? Did you achieve what you wanted? And I always feel I didn't achieve as much as I as I wanted to in rugby when I was playing. Now afterwards, it's easy with rose tinted glasses to look back and think, well, that was, that was, that was okay. You know, like 11 years professionally and playing England. It was, but I think um, being honest, the proverb stands for statement of truth and honesty. It was a little bit of both. Um, Guy, the coach just at Oxford, you know, when I got off my first professional contract, he just gave me some advice that, listen, enjoy every minute of it. But accept that you are an asset, and when it's an asset that someone doesn't want anymore, then then that's the end of it. So number one, enjoy it, you know, as much as you can. So there was, and there was always now. When I was at, you know, um, Quinns, I did some work for the NHS again, following on from what I did with epidemiology, and um, so I did always understand that. I did also have a view, which isn't a popular view, that what I achieved in rugby wouldn't be the most important thing I achieved in my life, and that might sound grand, but I felt. Um, having been lucky enough to experience things at university, see people go off and do other things, have different perspectives. And that may have been a weakness in not going all in in rugby, in some senses, in some of the decisions I made. But I don't, yeah, I think over the, the, the length of a, I suppose, the, if you're lucky enough, the length of a lifetime, you know, I wanted it to be something positive but not be the only thing that I pinned Absolutely. by. Absolutely. Is that one chapter amongst sort of, many? But yeah. But I, and I and I, I did see an element of that before, but as I said, I was exceptionally lucky to go to university before without being tempted away from it. So I always had something to fall back on. I then got given an opportunity to work with Kirsty during playing rugby, so that was a great transition. And so, Kirsty, your yeah. partner, did you Kirstie meet her before? Yeah. Your wife, sorry, we were met at university. Yeah. So elements of luck, I think, in everything. But yeah, I think it, I think there's definitely safe safe to say that I had a mind and a, a sort of thought of. There is more after this, and yeah, as as you get further away from it, and the, the glasses get more rose tinted, and the and and the networking and the meeting people, you know, it all sounds a lot better. But it, it was an opportunity of a lifetime, and I'm yeah, exceptionally grateful that that I had it, um, and and what's come afterwards. Well, sort of bringing us on to where we are today, then, because you have this uh, brand proverb. Now you you saluted it slightly beforehand. So tell me about number one, where the names come from. And number two, tell us a bit about the about the brand, where it came about, what made you get into the, the skincare industry. So carrying on, I mean, basically from that story, while I was at Nottingham um, transitioning out of rugby, Kirsty had started up an organic skincare brand called Pink's Boutique, I mentioned, and that was, and still is, organic skincare being sold directly to spas and supported by a source association accreditation for organic and is all about the treatment and the ritual and giving people you know, clean natural vegan products that they can trust and deliver treatments and i've obviously sort of cut my teeth as it were in seeing that business grow from nothing um, really enjoyed the industry and it wasn't a million miles away from 
and it and it started incidentally in Kirsty's mind. She was actually training beef therapists before we had the, the brand, and we got into eating clean, natural, organic. You know, back in two thousand six when I was at Quinn's, and and that had an impact on her thinking about what goes into ingredients, into products, and that changed her whole mindset on the idea of you get out what you put in. So yeah, in everything you know, we put on your body, you put in your body. You know, you should really be treating it. You know, it's for a better word. You know, it is the most important asset you have. So. You know, people in the last 10 years, that's exploded with organic and natural skincare, people being considered that. But, you know, 2006, when Phil Richards, who is now Eddie Hall's nutritionist, you know, was even talking back then about body wash you know, being absorbed and those things affecting your energy system. And he was talking about performance at that point, which then brings us into Proverbs. So after six or seven years of working with Kirsty, a lot of people um, <clears throat> were interested in our combined story. And um, I didn't have much of a presence in pinks obviously i did a lot of work but yeah if you see the session what sort of work were you doing actually luke beforehand because obviously before well you're playing rugby at this time and you're playing rugby and then went straight into the business so um running the logistics and the finance and learning sort of the back end of the business and kirsty still is if you see the social media very much the front end for obvious reasons um well she comes from a teaching background so it's just she's all about trying to give back in her content and trying to help people you know get something out of it um but we were looking at how to expand. That's a that's a business model which is based in the UK, which is based in the B two B market, and um, we were just interested in having a, a broader impact and, and more people being able to get hold of products that we make passionately, you know, in the sense of them being clean, you know, really great ingredient choices. And we went through a few iterations, but it became but evident from other people's input really that we were speaking to that um, perhaps our story was interesting combining the passion of Kirsty for formulating these you know, skincare and hygiene products and my passion for mindset and health and making better choices and more and more people being conscious of what they are doing in, in that you know, broader spectrum of diet and health and looking after themselves. Um, and so we wanted to do something originally we say marketed it, men. I mean, it says at the moment, Proverb Life is going to be here for men because it's really trying to tap in, to a growing market, being honest. And Proverbs stands for, as I said, a statement of truth or honesty. And that came about from the brand new entry, which we used up here called the one-off. And we sat down as you do in these things for hours talking about the ethos behind the business and what we wanted um, you know, to deliver. And they, they sort of very quickly understood that Kirsty and I don't have any barriers. Like in everything, obviously we live and work and do everything together and we yeah. try not to in business either. When we discuss stuff, we try and be really open. To give you an example, to give you an example, our, you know, our latest blog is about you know, looking after your hands during this you know, difficult time, COVID-19, a lot of sanitizing, a lot of washing. You know, one of the first things Kirsty wrote in the blog is that you know every hand sanitizer, if it's got alcohol in it, which ours does, will make your hands dry and sore. So a lot of brands would probably maybe, some I should, would maybe steer away from that, but we're just very passionate about steering into it and being clear and honest. So that's where the, the name Provo comes from. Um, the Life Feud element of it is really my passion for getting the most out of every day and making little marginal gains all make up to whether it be happiness or fitness or just you know a better version or the best you know sort of the best outcomes and people seem to be more and more engaging with that and the branding agency thought that was definitely a story the male market was great and there hadn't been a brand that communicated to men so you'll see on our hygiene products which are coming out of sanitizer and deodorants and body washes that they don't have for men on because 
the final sort of piece of the branding, which is the tagline you get out what you put in, is is about that mental approach to, you know, if you want to achieve something, you have to put something in, and whether that's taking a risk or whether that's just hard work, it certainly you know isn't. Um, yeah, that's a sort of human trait. So uh, the more that the brand has been out there, and the more people have asked, those products and activations have been, you know, focused on people with that attitude. That in in the beginning was really a way of activating men because they're a market that hadn't been spoken to in the way that you know Estee Lauder has been around for over a hundred years. So there just is a heritage in the way that you know brands had communicated to women and that just wasn't happening or hadn't people hadn't found a way we, we didn't think and that was the evidence that to do that to you know people that were coming at it from a different angle which wasn't just aesthetics now the key thing we have to stress is most people buy skincare hygiene slightly different that might be about smelling or being clean but most people buy skincare for results so all of our clean natural green ingredient choices are focused around performance and results and that links back to that elite you know, period in my life where I got to see what performance at the top level was like and coming back to wanting to deliver products that have that. So at the core, the USP of the product is that, the delivering the results, but it fits within a framework of wanting to, you know, help people make constant, you know, consider choices of what would be, you know, give them the outcome they want amongst the other things they're doing, their diet, their mindset, their, you know, whatever else, you know, fits in with with um, that and, and taking that further forward. The final piece of the puzzle has really been um, the three pillars that we talk about, which is that, you know, products that perform better for you and a, and a healthier for you, number one, looking now more refillable and better packaging so that it's a product that's better for the planet. And then wanting, whether it be working with WaterAid to give a percentage away or with our one-for-one sanitizer platform where we're just trying to, you know, be positive because I, I I certainly feel this way that there's definitely uh, you know, an, an added effect of you know buying a brand or working with a brand or following content that makes you feel better because then they whether it is looks aesthetics mindset you know all of those things I think are intertwined with feeling better about yourself which yeah not to get too philosophical is where I think most people should start. I think if people could you know, take care of themselves first and foremost, then they'll be in a better position to do that for others. So we just wanted to put that all into a business and <laughs> there it is. It's coincidental really, I think at the moment in our current situation, people are finding themselves having to look after themselves better. Um, I guess in, in many respects, people are now actually almost, I wouldn't say being forced, but certainly being encouraged to exercise on a regular basis. You know, the daily once a for an hour or so and people are actually making themselves do it and eating healthier and maintaining sort of better lifestyles and you know long may it continue and hopefully beyond becoming sort of a bit of a normal more normal climate people are still keeping that in mind that they do need to keep looking after themselves um luke i've got one quick question actually going back to the brand um and obviously you uh, as an elite sports person a professional rugby player working in, um, and playing in sort of a very a sort of alpha environment at what point did you start to sort of see the market changing and sort of because I've I've worked in branding and packaging for quite some time and I've seen uh, things change certainly over the last fifteen years ten years more so how brands are starting to sort of educate uh, the male consumer about the benefits of looking after their um, not just themselves mentally obviously but sort of certainly their their own well being and to a certain extent skin and everything else um, and. More so now, certainly in the last few years, you're starting to see more of the gender-neutral products coming out there. Um, funny enough, you were saying that sort of some of your proverb 
product are no longer necessarily marketed strictly to the male market. So it's a bit more of a gender neutral market. Are you seeing those changes now? Are you starting to adapt to those that sort of way of thinking? Yes, I mean, that's a great question. I saw last night on YouTube the, uh, I don't know if anyone is old enough to remember it, the Budweiser yeah, WhatsApp advert. It's brilliant. That they've, re, they've revamped for, for lockdown, which is a fantastic use of nostalgia. And I, I'm not an expert like you on branding, but it certainly resonates in a nostalgia sense. But if you think back to us at University 20 watching that, how sort of, in a sense, simple and direct that was it was all just being a, about being a bloke lying around having a beer with your mates i mean there's nothing i mean at that period in your life when you're at uni that obviously resonated massively um but it was relatively early on i say relatively early on but you know i think what um changed and again the time frame is sort of different for different elements of it but i mean when i was you know at you know, Nottingham by this time using you know Pink's boutique products in the shower. Yeah, you know, the initial instinct in that environment is always to yeah, point fun, right? Because it's it's an environment where you can do that, and people feel safe. But actually, uh, there's a lot of grooming. There was uh, there was a lot of grooming going on, you know. And deniably, so, of course, yeah. You know, there was, yeah, yeah, and so, you know, behind the scenes, and and so um, yeah, we talked about David Jackson his mullet. That was a, <laughs> a risky sort of grooming uh, habit. But, a lot of maintenance. You know, a lot of maintenance were, in there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of maintenance of the boys behind the scene. They just weren't really talking about it. So I think probably 10 years ago, people were using our products and talking to friends at L'Oreal. That's always, you know, you look at Bulldog, friend of ours, Simon Simon Duffy, that's you know over 10 years old now. They, they, you know, the use of products has gone up and up year on year in men's grooming. I think what has changed, and I would probably say, for want of a better expression, the Instagram generation, maybe the last five years, has been the willingness to admit it, really. And that allows you uh, or, or them to, to be more open to the conversation because, um, you know, beyond the it makes you look five years younger, which is not really an advertising campaign would ever run. Um, although there is, a, as I said, very clearly an aesthetic reason that why a lot of people buy skincare. Um, I think, and that again links to Instagram and people taking more photos and etc. But yeah, I just think the willingness to talk about this stuff, and it, and again, it, it flows through into that. Yeah, you know, it just being a more human product, really. I mean, it's not seen anymore as to. I don't think to have much connotations to using it really and that's you know i use the example of my dad who it's you know forgive for at the age of 73 saying he's a little bit maybe of a different generation but when we launched two and a half years ago so there's a good benchmark when we launched two and a half years ago he was like are you sure are you sure like you know you want to be selling skincare to men they don't use it and Kirsty's dad was the same and he had some people around for dinner probably a month after we launched four of his farming friends he's from the farming community so again if you think about stereotypes which we don't you know, want to stereotype but you know there were what were there five 65 year old plus men sitting around the table and he said to them oh yeah you know, a bit wide loops just launched you know what do you guys do and all four of them use skincare two of them use clinique which is not a cheap skincare and the other and the other two used more um grocery stuff so so I think that's a benchmark, you know, two and a half years ago that, that people had sort of got into. It. And even if it was the, this the generic, they were borrowing off their other half, they, they were saying, so what the opportunity really has been is to talk to them directly as opposed to through someone else. And, it, and if we can manage that through, um, you know, a broader range of products like the hygiene products, because that's got high penetration, they're using deodorants with a great message about it being refillable. So sanitizers are slightly 
sort of being thrown upon us as an opportunity. Um, I think more and more it's just easy to have a conversation and they are more comfortable. Now, I don't think overnight they're going to start commenting on our instas and asking questions openly as you might see on Pink's Boutique. So it's really interesting having the two brands because you can see the engagement being entirely different. But again, certain trends like loyalty, like you know, a replenishment service on Proverb where people can subscribe, you know, that's got a higher take up than it has on Pink's. People are, you know, in, in buying that product range are, are more loyal and are more comfortable once they find something that works at just sticking with that routine. So, you know, very simple messaging, like it's not that difficult. It could take four minutes in the morning, just use the right products regularly and you'll see a result and just keep repeating that. Um, it is, is maybe a complication you do, but it's still an education in terms of how you use that product and you know which product's best for you. Um, but yeah, frankly, it's been really, really interesting. And even in the period which we've been up and running, it's been more and more open. It's just it's sort of almost daily. You know, people come back and engage and share content on social media. And again, they're getting the right product and the right story to make it easy for them is definitely why we crowdfunded deodorant because um yeah most people i think it falls possibly more in a category of need as opposed to want <laughs> yeah no of course and that's the your, your deodorants sort of forgive me here because i'm i'm just sort of touching base on what i've seen from the website and some of your social media that are, is the refillables tell me a little bit about those and how, how that came about because i think it's a fantastic idea going back to to my degree really and what i said about the transition out of rugby and feeling like i was going to have you know maybe a broader impact is a better way of putting it um as part of my degree obviously looking at humans interaction in their environment and the impact so i've always worked and followed water aid the work they do water being one of those things i think it's kind of basic human need thinking about giving back as a family we've always tried to give back in a significant way and then yeah sitting down with kirsty three or so years ago and, and suggesting when we launched well that, that should be in the core of what we do um and so we are yeah we pledge to give 10% you know, of our um, profits to water aid as a starting point, but then becoming more conscious as the story grew and people, you know, and this goes back to a bit of the marketing. I think one of the questions that you um, sent me in the, the dossier beforehand was what's changed, what we learned about marketing. Well, before COVID-19, we ran in July last year a campaign to raise money by selling pre-selling product, which is the refillable deodorant. And we'd already been working on that deodorant for a year and just didn't have an activation to launch it. We finally had the formulation, wanted to work with WaterAid, and obviously had the message that it was a refillable deodorant that the profit would go to WaterAid. And what became very evident very quickly is that, and hopefully after this period of transition, we won't forget that we were all talking about the climate and the planet beforehand, the refillable element was much more easily digested by the consumer than the, the giving back element. So we're not going away from that as one of our visions. But in terms of like how marketing, what we've learned, how we've shifted, that is definitely a core that we learned that you know, people you know, are concerned about that. Not themselves, number one, I think that's reasonable. So we want a healthy, clean, effective deodorant that works. And that took us a year to formulate something really special and different. And then just almost as we were running up to crowdfunding, we were just looking at it going, you know, we're getting, there was so much press about, you know, plastic and what positive, you know, what you could do differently. And we just, you know, and it's difficult for the consumer to understand how hard it is for a brand to do it because all you're hearing, rightly so from one side, whether it be, you know, the reports on Sky or David Atherley is that we need to make a change. The consumers want that change to be easy for them. And I, I get that. They don't always necessarily understand 
how difficult that is to create in the background when you're sourcing tens of thousands of units of products and um, there's not maybe the same way. But we actually had this deodorant sitting here thinking, I don't think it needs to be as technologically difficult as maybe, you know, we didn't need to overthink the problem. And so obviously we have a, 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 a case, a plastic case that you can keep for as long as you don't lose it. What sort of deodorant is it, Luke? Is this a... As a stick, so, so because of our formulation being a solid state stick deodorant, basically when it comes to its end, the the, the deodorant falls out because it's empty. All you, all we send you is the refill in a in a biodegradable cardboard box. So um, it just was something that we tried and instantly thought, you know what, we don't need to ever complicate this. Let's do that. That fitted really in nicely into the the, the the vision of the business and what was happening globally. And ever since then, that's that's been the been the mission really to to get um, as much sustainability into the products. They've always been natural. They've always been you could always wash them down the drain and not worry about what they were going to do. You could always put them on your skin and be comfortable that you were safe. But then the packaging was the next, and it continues to be a challenge. And we're always trying to improve it with every new product that comes out. We're just changing some of our original products, the skincare products, into more. Um, environmentally friendly packaging and just constantly trying to adapt and a, and, a, and a great piece of advice that a friend of mine gave me who works for Berber in their basically yeah, industrial and in, in, investor relations space is they're always pressing you know, places like Burberry to do better and rightly so and he says yeah, we are committed to this but we also have to recognise you can't change everything at once so we just have to make sure that we're doing it bit by bit every chance we get to do it better we do it better um, and and the great thing is there are brands that will start up with nothing. I say nothing, you know, with none of the barriers because they're they're young and you know, they didn't start with any of the history of the uh, LMVHs of the world or you know the L'Oreal's who have a lot bigger processes and you know brands to change. And we fall somewhere in that category of being small enough and agile enough that we can make changes quicker. To, to, to talk about it more openly so this certainly has always wanted to be a positive game back to being positive i've never really been one and cursed is the same to sort of talk about what other people can't do or aren't doing because everyone's situation is different you never really know just wanted to be positive about what we are trying to do and understand their challenges but because we are smaller and younger and you know starting out on our journey we can you know commit to you know making making things more positive and impactful well you're, you're still very much a young brand aren't you sort of two and a half years in um yeah you're doing phenomenally well from what i can see um you've got a great range of products um where do you think and where do you want proverbs sort of be let's say in the next sort of five six years where do you want to take the brand and how do you see it sort of progressing that's a great question um i'll take that in two parts the one the one thing i would like to achieve is a brand that people with that ethos you get at what you put in and specifically men who haven't been communicated or felt um, comfortable with a brand feel like they own a brand somewhat like um, I always use Audi or Nike the other sort of thing you're you know it makes you feel better to be associated with because you understand the values of the brand and it delivers a product that you, it works for you and you get more out of it than just a transaction of you know, buying a skincare or hygiene product. So I'd like them to feel part of Team Proverb, basically, and that they're, they're part of something positive and it's having a positive impact on them. Um, people use this word community. I'm not expecting them to come out and sort of show their support a, a rally. 
Uh, but I, just, I'd, you know, I would like them to feel that sense of team and you know, having somewhere to go to ask questions and communicate about things they might not have had before. So I think that's that's definitely from a from a brand perspective. I'd like to be that brand that yeah that does that um, is ownable by a, a sector of the market that hasn't really had that before. Um, and then I suppose from the the more business growth side, we were due to close some investment just before lockdown, which got put on hold. Which is one of those things you have to pivot and adapt. Um, but I'd like to see see it grow because of the, the positive impact I think it can have in the way it's been structured, you know, to give back and be a business that is you know isn't just about Kirsty and I's dreams, but about you know supporting water aid, about showing people that you can have a um, I suppose a luxury brand in some senses. Uh, I don't think <laughs> you've, you've seen the background of where I am right now in the warehouse. So that's um, I'm not. Um, <laughs> you know, and just hopefully those that are into brand recognise that what goes into making it is is not always luxurious. But absolutely, yeah, but it's real. It's real life. Yeah, well, it's, not, people, it's not polished. Engage with it, and people feel you know good about themselves. Yeah, you know, that sense of it being a luxury because you know you don't need moisturizer to survive, and you don't need you know dual shaving, shaving cream and scrub to survive. But yeah, you know, I think that's probably why I use the word luxury. Um, but um, yeah, so I you know taking taking that brand to show that you can do that and be you know be sustainable and you know thinking about those other people that are in in and around the business you know in a really positive way and that hopefully will tie into the zeitgeist of which may have may have been as you said um stimulated by this craziness of covid19 where people you know and the generation that are looking at brands going well what are you doing not just for me but for everyone else being a part of that journey to the point where you know you can help yeah and i, I do mean the word help you know you can help the likes of l'oreal and the bigger fmgc brands you know, or businesses, conglomerates, you know, do things differently, whether that's because they absorb you or whether that's because they learn from you. Um, yeah, sort of a benchmark for the way things can be done, whether that's from the natural formulations of the products to the refillable to the giving back. Um, and by definition, the, the bigger we get, the, the bigger impact we have. And we have one business that's that's got to a stage that allowed us to a platform and, and launch Proverb. And Proverb is potentially the one that could go beyond the UK and into you know, places like you know, the US would be an interesting market and yeah. other places where you know, that requirement for you know people making considered choices because again they're in a position to afford that and I'd be honest about that you know one of the one of the things I'm brutally honest about you know is you can't expect you know everyone to make the best choice for the planet because it's not necessarily the first priority in their life but in reality, the people that we come across and, you know, the market that we're aiming at should be the people that, that demonstrate the capacity to do that. Um, yeah, we'd like to yeah, be the leader in that. Well, you've got it. You've definitely got the drive there. And I think your previous profession, if you want for a better word, I use them a lot. It's the sports analogies. And you obviously taking your life background uh, from before pre-proverb to, and applying that to what you're doing today and uh, with that drive I, you know, undoubtedly you're going to be a great success um what i want to do is just round round our conversation up somewhat to a certain extent but just so people know because i've i know that people we can get hold of your product from the website where else are people able to get hold of a proverb from if they want to have a look at the products and try them out and that's a good question so during, if your listeners still during lockdown, then the, the predominant place is the Proverb 
skin.com website um as we come out of this and people get back to you know what whatever normal looks like we we are in house of phrases in a concept called beast which is focused on again making grooming more accessible to men so that's a physical place we work with um, a number of spas across the uk scarlet spa cowley manor beaver brook and if you are traveling abroad we are just or we're just getting underway with atlantis caesar's palace nikki beach in um dubai working on a concept which brings it all together really because spas have always been great in terms of refilling products in terms of you know being conscious of the choices of ingredients they use and obviously in what they are doing making people feel better and so kirsty created an assisted stretch massage concept which hasn't really been done before in spas where they're trying to take that element of performance and massage and stretch and put it in a gym space so that again activating people that might not necessarily have um seen it seen it as that before may have thought of you know massage or stretch as a as a curative or you know something to to do to relax it's actually when you're going back to yeah, preparing for a match sports massage was a yeah, massive part of it um being flexible and strong and assisted stretch being a great um way to do that well send me the link send me those links luke and i'm going to put them all into the uh, show notes at least so sort of listeners can have a sort of a quick search around and see with and try the products out if they can um luke just before we shut off i just i've got a last question for you with regards to your illustrious career should we say and in lots of different various categories now um what's the biggest or best bit of advice that you give your younger self if you were just starting out in your career now uh i would i would definitely say that um it's a, and it is a bit of a cliche but the connections you make um the personal connections you make are so valuable um and and people might not believe this but i was relatively shy when i was younger and probably during that period of being an elite athlete or whatever i didn't really take advantage of the people i met and the connections i made because people are super helpful i mean really like this period has proven it more than anything you know you know people that have reached out and helped us with supplies of alcohol that we've never you know sort of connected us with people and you know just genuinely influences and rugby players that have helped out supporting it and it really you know just that you know, making personal connections, which now may be on Zoom, um, but so hopefully we'll, we'll be back to being in person at some point. Um, yeah, just just don't be shy and don't think of it like that because I don't think people do. I mean, the people you're talking to don't think of it like that. And if I'm chatting to someone new, I'm not thinking that they're thinking of an angle. I just think you're, you're going to learn something from the conversation. So whatever age you are and whoever age the person you're speaking to is, you're going to learn something from the conversation. Um, and down the line, you just never know how you can help them or they can help you. And it's just nice you know, to have that you know, support of a collection of people that you've you know, met over the years. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think I should have recognised that or recognised the chance I had to do that in that sort of halcyon days of running around chasing a ball. And... Yeah. I think adding to that as well is also having the, um, I guess, the confidence to ask for help from those people as well because you know it's all very well having these connections but if you're not that confident that you to not say listen i just need some thoughts or ideas or some assistance here and speaking to those people yeah a massive i must say a massive shout out to will greenwood on that front who yeah, i've known for a very long time but you know it just didn't fit, you know, feel particularly that yeah he would be the right person to ask but when we launched proverb and he obviously fits in the category of 
you know, in every sense of the way he approached his life and his choices. And he just... Yeah, he's a, he was a, an amazing player. I know he's quite prevalent on um, social media at the moment, but uh, shout out to Will. Yeah, and, pe- and people always ask me, people always ask me who's the best player I ever played with. And um, I put it into, split it into two categories. I think this is maybe slightly... Uh, bias to my position I think the best player I ever played against was Richard Hill but I think the I think the smartest rugby player I ever played I know the smartest rugby player I ever played was with Will Greenwood and you know, that ability to see the bigger picture and you know make great decisions under pressure um, and support the team you know was was a phenomenal asset and yeah so when he came along to our launch he squeezed it into a very busy, busy day you know put himself out to come and help us that really, one, meant the absolute world to me and two, definitely, you know, demonstrated that, you know, how helpful people are. If you ask and you know, don't be shy. And, and again, that alpha male environment probably sets people back, you know, when they come out of that thinking, well, I can do this. You know, I've had to be tough and independent, but actually you weren't because you were part of a team and you didn't realise it, but you were getting help all the time. So, and I think hopefully that culture has changed, but ultimately, yeah, ask for help. Yeah, well, it's all about being a being a team, isn't it? And I think you became you becoming from a sort of team sports background. You understand the fact that you got to, you can't just uh, go at it on your own. You can't in a in a match. It's not going to work like if you're just playing on your own. You need everyone around you supporting you and uh, helping you out and sort of looking behind you and knowing that they're going to be there sort of supporting you in any any respect. So that's brilliant. Luke, you've been awesome. I really really appreciate your time. I know it's very busy. I know today's VE day. I mean, it's beautiful blue skies out there and i know you're desperate to go out and sort of play with the kids in the garden and have a few proseccos and a bit of a barbecue i'm sure but um luke i really appreciate your time today thank you so much it's been a pleasure catching up really grateful to have a chance to to talk about it um it's, yeah it's very therapeutic amongst oh, all of this to, to recap no, it is good there Absolutely are things good. there are there are bigger things than um you know, bigger things than work, but I'm, I feel very grateful that I've managed to combine that with a passion with you know, the, the other half of everything, Kirsty. And even even as the capacity issue that we current challenge exists. Um, uh, well, I think you guys are doing an amazing job. And I, I'm no, I mean, the economy is obviously looking to sort of relax some of the restrictions at the moment. So I'm hopefully that your supply chain will start to speed up somewhat and sort of become a bit more uh, uh, accessible for you. Well, listen, you stay safe. All the best. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Take care.